We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. We have got Simon Bird of the Daily Mirror on with us today. That is Charlotte and I, and we're going to talk about Newcastle United's fabulous start to the season and also where this may end up at the end of the season. So good has Newcastle's performance been. We are a podcast that releases lots more of these podcasts on Patreon. It ranges from three to eight pounds a month. If you like what we do, come along uh, and join us and listen to lots more of these. Simon. How are you, mate? Are you enjoying life writing about a frankly superb football team? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's what a strange season. I mean, it's like we were talking about this the other day that it's been such a, a change of mindset for us as journalists, having and probably and, and you as fans as well, um, that we've covered and watched such kind of downbeat with um, stuff with no hope and no no energy and no prospect of anything good happening. And then suddenly, you know, last season happens in the revival. And then this season has just been beyond our expectations, really. It's, it's been so enjoyable. And I think, I mean, that's reflected in the, in the, in the atmosphere at St. James's Park, but, but also from our point of view, they win at home and there's five players queuing up, to talk to us after the, uh, not queuing up, but you know, they're all stopping and telling their stories and telling us what they think. And we're getting interviews all over the shop. So it's been brilliant. It's so enjoyable compared with the last few years. It really has. What was your expectation, Simon, going into this season? Like, what, what what did you think was going to happen? Obviously, it surpassed all of our expectations. I think that's fair to say. But what what, what was yours? Yeah, well, I thought. I mean, there was a feeling that it's kind of the end of last year with what was it like thirteen wins in eighteen games, something like that, um, was unsustainable, um, and that couldn't continue. And you know, there'd be a bit of a dip, and then we might have to stick with it for a while and give them a bit of leeway to to keep the building going over two years. But then, you know, we went away with them in, in Austria in July. And you could see, you kind of feel there was a bit of a change of mood um, and a change of seriousness and a proper kind of belief coming out in the interviews that we were doing about what they could achieve. Now, that was unproven back in July. And they've obviously, you know, they had a bit of a sticky start this season. They weren't winning lots of games, but once they've bedded down and got, got fully fit and started believing in themselves and they started win, winning games. And I thought, back to your question, I thought they'd probably like top eight top nine maybe even would be a, like a par par for the course season that was my expectation and at the minute it's kind of looking like they can certainly exceed that well your your recent match report simon um you opened it with candy castle win the league that's um you know and you did go on and answer it pretty emphatically but just you know <laughs> that in itself starting an article saying can this Newcastle side win the league 
Really well, it was right partly it, it was partly tongue in cheek because the Gallagher end sang it a little bit, and and I'm sure the fans were the fans were singing it, thinking they were going to win the league. They were singing it because it's a it's a great song, and it was a bit tongue in cheek and a bit optimistic, and kind of set the set, set the mood up. But I don't think anyone thinks they're going to win the league. Um, not well, that freak know, Harland in the league. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's not like the Leicester City um, season when a lot of the big clubs were like weak, um, and it was five thousand to one that Leicester would win it. It's, I mean, Man City are too strong to for Newcastle to be challenging challenging them at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's, it, 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 I didn't think of Eddie Howe was then asked the question: um, Can can Newcastle finish in the top four? And he, he said, "That's an outrageous question." You know, he doesn't. It's his way of answering it. He doesn't want to answer it. And then we were asking the players, "Can he finish in the top six? And very much the the whole mantra is: um, We've just got to beat what's put in foot in front of us every week. Um, take it stage by stage. See where you end up in. Well, it's the end of May now, isn't it? It's not. It's not April, May. It's the end of May for the end of the season. So. Uh, that's it. That was a cheeky question. It, it wasn't meant seriously, but it was inspired by the crowd's optimism. Um, but I think, I mean, if you want to get into sort of what's what is achievable this year, um, I mean, that's the big question about Newcastle. And it's not just got us talking as people who cover it and fans. It's got the, the entire nation covering it. I mean, my my boss in London was asking, should we do a big debate on whether Newcastle can finish in the top four? Um, and all the writers had to chip in on it. And you know, the conclusion was possibly not this year, but. Hey, you never know. It's it, it is it is on the agenda. I think. Well, really interesting actually that you reference other teams because I think one of the reasons that I think Newcastle will at least be in the conversation for the top four come the end of the season, um, injuries dependent, is that if you look at some of the other teams, they're not very good. Spurs <laughs> have got all sorts of, of issues that you know that they're kind of being kept alive with ninety-fifth minute winners. A lot of their fans are starting to wonder whether the way that Conte plays, you know, compared to someone like Newcastle United, for example, is it's extremely regressive. Chelsea, new manager, it's almost like a write-off season for them. I'm sure they still expect top four, but you know, they're they're in all sorts of trouble there. Again, a lot of like really slim victories. And then Liverpool, where do you even start with Liverpool? So it, it almost feels to me, and you know, Charlotte McKean on your thoughts on this as well as Simon's. I mean, let you fight it out for who answers first, but <laughs> I almost feel like there might not be a better chance because than this season because next season Newcastle could be a much better side, but then you're relying on all of those teams, those three teams. Man United aren't great either, having similarly terrible seasons. It almost feels like this season could be the season. It might have to be the season. What do you think? I'm going to go first, Simon. You might be the special guest, but I'm no, butt in. Um, I don't think that this is the only chance we're going to have to to finish top four or, or you know top you know three. Let's say it. Um, I don't think it's going to be the only chance. I don't think that's why the group that bought the club bought the club. I don't think it's why some of the players are at the club. I think it could be harder in the seasons to come. I will concede that, but I think we're still going to be in the conversation. I think that that's it's just where we are now. Yeah, it's faster than we expected and that's kind of hard to get your head around and kind of hard to um, ad, like, ad, almost like admit because then when you say it out loud, do I sound like a deranged fan? But everything in front of me looks like we're just going to kind of continue strong. 
I, I agree with what you're saying, Alex. That, that um, it's a season of, of massive opportunity for Newcastle, and I think they'll they'll probably know that in, within the club as well and the players. And in a lot of clubs, and you get this odd season, maybe four four or five in a cycle of four or five years, you get a season where there's clubs having to rebuild, like Liverpool are well off it, and yeah. Man U have just have got a new manager, and they're kind of hitting hitting the gear now, which is working. But but they are in a season of transition, and Chelsea have got a new manager and have had to change, so and they've had injuries as well. Um, and they're usually rock solid second or third, um, and Spurs aren't massively attractive, but they are. They have improved under Conte, so they're still still contenders in there. Arsenal have kicked on, so they're sensing an opportunity as well. They're kind of on the up and looking for a, you know challenge for the title even. So it is a it is a massive opportunity. And there was an interesting comment from Darren Eels when we saw him as a as a press pack about three weeks ago, and he did reference that Leicester season where he said, "Look, you know, who, who you can't plan." You can't plan scientifically for for progression in a football club because you've done it. There's so many variables. There's injuries. There's form. There's managerial, um, you know, quirks and other teams as well. So you can't plan scientifically. And he referenced that Leicester five thousand and one title winning season. And he says you ne- and he actually said you never know. So even right at the top of the club, someone's saying you never know. So I wouldn't that you know you you get criticised for like kind of looking ahead too much and. Um, kind of being a little bit too ambitious for a, t- a side which or a club that's rebuilding, but it, it's not it's not unrealistic to do that. And, and actually, being a football fan is is about dreaming as well. And you've got to have the dreams. And this is a season of of that Newcastle fans at this moment can have have dreams. And that's not a not an unhealthy, deranged like Charlotte said, <laughs> deranged fan thing. That that's the natural thing. And it's what football gives you and what lifts your mood lifts the mood of the of the city and what inspires players as well. Because they're being inspired by what's happening at the club at the minute. They're they're all raising the game. So that dream thing is what Newcastle has been missing for the last 10 years. No one has been able to dream at all. And it's been functional and within a budget. And we've all known pretty much what we'll get, survival or, or up to 10th. And that's been it. So forgive Newcastle fans and journalists covering the club for maybe getting a little bit carried away and a little bit dreamy. But that's the position we're at now. And the good thing is none of it looks a fluke. Like Charlotte says, you know, other teams are up and down. Newcastle put a team on the pitch and then maybe tweak two or three positions and they win. And it, it doesn't look like it. the system works. You know, they, they all know their roles in it. They're squeezing the life out of teams with that high press, which is brilliant to see all the players 40 yards up the pitch from where they used to be under Steve Bruce. Uh, and the system works, you know, and I, I'm so surprised that, you know, Spurs hadn't worked out that their defenders were going to get chased down and panicked in their own box by, by Newcastle. They've been doing it all season. So, team, when when does someone work Newcastle out? I, I don't know. It's bizarre that other managers haven't haven't worked out how to counter Newcastle's tactics. The thing is, I think that they might have worked out, but that's just not how they train and not how they play. And they might be able to, you know, Villa tried to contain, like, squeeze us and contain us, but they could only manage for about forty minutes um, to frustrate us. Teams don't have the athleticism because how I think. Um, trains our players with such high intensity and with such like they're so fit now yes that there's a there's a fine balance between how fit they are and then an injury I think but at the moment touch all the wood in my house everything's okay um I think I think teams have worked out I think they know what's going on they just don't like haven't worked out or or, or don't have the time to combat it if that makes sense yeah 
maybe maybe the Newcastle players are just a better outfit and they're fitter and stronger. And you're right, the Aston Villa game was a perfect example whereby a team kind of stifled Newcastle a little bit and there wasn't much in the game and they, they got in behind and created their own chances. But then Newcastle's fitness kicked in, didn't it? You know, in that last bit of the of first half and then certainly in the second half, the relentlessness of this team um, really yeah. you know, really punishes people. Can't tell you how satisfying it is for me as a fan to see and recognise those performances from other clubs. So Everton come to St James's Park and they kind of tell themselves it was a tight game. Newcastle are a good side. We did all right. Didn't have a shot. Villa turn up and it's like, well, it was nil-nil on 45. You know, and if this had gone our way, that had gone away, didn't have a shot. And I've been there so many times as a Newcastle fan where you walk away from these better clubs, having lost the game, kind of convincing yourself that if this had gone this way, whereas now on the other side, I can see that those big teams and their fans were just like, yeah, they were shit. <laughs> it was it was difficult for 45 and then we scored and then we won. And it's like very nice to be on the other side of that with good players doing good things. And like you said, you know, I thought I thought Spurs under Conte might have gone five at the back to try and exploit Newcastle's kind of narrow formation. And, and, and Everton, I thought, would do the same. But it's almost like that you both alluded to. There's not really much point other teams trying to mess with what they're doing too much to get at us because a bit like Sven Botman, the whole team just doesn't have a weakness. Like what like what's our weakness? When Callum Wilson's out, you know the weakness, but we don't we don't have a single weakness. Like the weakness should have been the right side forward position. Everyone in, coming into this season was like we've got one weakness, it's the right side forward position. It's not strong enough. And it's proved to be the strongest position on the pitch. And that mm. that probably talks to me about just the, the the strength of Eddie Howe as a manager and improving what he's got. You 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 see him Fairly regularly, I imagine Simon. You get to speak to him. You know, just just some. You know, your thoughts on 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 how this season. You know, what have you picked up from him? What how has it been dealing with him? Just just tell us a little bit about your relationship with him. Yeah, I just we see a man who is. I mean, it's, it's been said before, but he, he's totally dedicated to the job. I mean, he literally is a, a train spotter, football manager. Every mm-hmm. detail he wants to know, and he's in control of. And I think kind of the fun the thing about Eddie Howe is feel a bit sorry for them because you wonder if he's actually enjoying it because he's so he's so focused on getting to a destination which is kind of far away and 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 uh, un- untouchable at the moment at the end of the season and can they win something which is desperately what he wants to do and they win these games and I think he probably has like five minutes where he's loving it and then he's thinking of the next game and worrying about it already <laughs> and what he's going to do and I hope he, I hope there comes a point where Eddie, ha- well, he says it. We've asked it himself. Do you enjoy it? And he, he and he and he doesn't massively enjoy it because he's thinking about it so much. And he thinks the time to enjoy it is when he's retired or when he's left the club. But I think he there must be part of him which is which is loving what's happening at the moment because of all the qualities that that we, we're all aware of now after being in charge for a, a year. Next week, I think it is um, his dedication to the job, his love of the detail, um, his tactical awareness is is brilliant. He's, he's kind of we've got one of those managers who. Was he fought early forties, forty four, and he's he's a guy who's on the up. We've not we've not gone for a manager. Newcastle haven't gone for a manager who's proven done it like a Mourinho or something like that. This guy is learning with the club and growing with the club. And one of the thing, one of the reservations about him was maybe he's not box office enough, and that's why they went for Unai Emery. Well, two weeks ago you've got Eddie Howe defending my club against Jurgen Klopp, what Jurgen Klopp's saying, and he's taking other managers on and other big managers in a very kind of low-key, discreet way, but he's standing up for his club. And the, the, the Eddie Howe of last year wouldn't have had the kind of, the the confidence, not the confidence, but kind of the, I don't know, the aura or the persona to do that. But he's, he's certainly grown into the job in the last 12 months. I'm going to break now for some short adverts. Uh, if you want to listen to these shows, 
without the ads. Join us on Patreon's just £3 a month for the ad-free shows. Cheers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. I wondered if he was enjoying it. I, I said this to somebody recently. I was like, I hope he is. I hope he stops to take stock of where he's got us to and the amazing job that's been done so far. Because, and and like, and like you know, because it is a bit of a pinch yourself moment. We're we're fourth in the league, we're smashing goals past past. Like it's just amazing, and um, that's down to him and his coaching staff, really. Like yes, we've made some big signings, but the players we already had were are vastly improved. So I really hope he is. I hope he's listening. I hope he's having a nice time. <laughs> you know, it was it was this time, well, not this time last year, but just after he joined and. A lot of the conversation was he can't organize a defense and like the, it's one thing proving people wrong it's another doing what he has done to that to that line of thought because newcastle are a defensive machine um i saw a funny tweet earlier i think from two months time which said the reason nick pope isn't up for save of the month in the premier league is because he simply hasn't had to make a save <laughs> this month it's like it's is it, it's true isn't it it's true like the blow yeah. The bloke, the bloke wants to get in the England squad and he can't, he can't show what he can do because he's just stood there. He's, he's like the, got the best seat in the house watching the beauty in front of him unfold. But back to how, you know, Charlotte, I mean, you've talked about before, we've been a bit worried about him. He says he works 12-hour days. So he doesn't see the kids. He took the kids on holiday, just talked football. Like, he needs a half-term or something. You know, he needs a game off. He, he needs, like, some kind of time to, to himself. Maybe he'll do what you know, Alex Ferguson's done and Jurgen Klopp's done. When we win the Club World Cup, they've just kind of taken that week off type thing in the league. They've let their number two other academy manager take the game. Yeah, but didn't he say, like, even when he was on holiday in America last this summer, it was just, like, call after call about, like, business with the kids in the car? He did. Bob- the top of the water slide as well. Yeah, yeah. He needs to go somewhere where he doesn't get a signal. <laughs> exactly. No, he's, 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 it is like that. I mean, but I think that's what comes with the territory as a football manager and he'll get paid a lot of money to do it. And I think his wife probably understands it and you, you grasp the opportunity for two, three, four years, however, however long it is. And there's a lot of inconvenience for that. And I think you probably will get a week off when 
when the World Cup starts, when they they all I think all the players not involved in the World Cup will be sent away for a week just to recharge and, and have some family time and stuff and then they'll get back into it gently and then do a, pre, a mini pre-season so there will be a, a bit of downtime there which hopefully won't disrupt the, mach- the Newcastle machine too much when it all kicks off again It looks Simon like Newcastle are at least the seventh best team in the Premier League this season you know the the only other real competitors for that spot you maybe say Brighton or Brentford and, and you know Villa Leicester and to an extent West Ham are all having really difficult season so it looks like Newcastle all being well um, will be playing in Europe next season do you think it's fair to say of the conversation we've had here for 17 minutes would seventh place now be a bit of a disappointment you know because the things that we've said I'm not trying to lead us I think we'll finish fourth so I'm not saying we're going to finish seventh but like you know the, the chances the chances are there this season to really make a mark like you've said is seventh place possibly now seen as a little bit of a a wasted season? No, I wouldn't think it would be a wasted season. I think that gets you into the Europa Conference League and a, and a, a kind of second-tier UEFA Cup kind of thing, scenario, which West Ham are in, which I'm covering tonight, um, which which wouldn't be a disaster at all. But I think I think that you have a ba- I think everyone has a baseline as to what they would like from this season in their heads. Um, and I think that's probably gone up from ooh, ninth, eighth to probably like Minimum seventh, and and it would be the min. It, I think from what the start they've had, a third of the season gone, it probably is the bare minimum that you'd you'd want from from this start and this platform that they've got themselves, um, especially with rivals like Leicester, like you say, Leicester, West Ham, Villa. Other t- that's the place that other teams just outside the elite top six are kind of vying for, and those those traditional rivals or people who've dipped into it last few years have kind of have drifted off a little bit. West Ham being in Europe, it's a, a huge extra demand. Um, so yeah, but sixth or fifth, or I mean, I would be seriously looking at the I mean, Carabao Cup. I mean, that's a massive opportunity early, pretty much mid-season to now you know win the game next week, and then just before the Premier League kicks off in December, if you can win that one, you're in a semi-final, and then that's a route to Europe as well. And it's a very good route to Europe with with big clubs, big clubs, elite, the top the traditional top six, distracted with the Champions League around about that time. So. I'd say Carabao Cups, you know, win three or four games in that and you're in Europe as well, which is a shorter route than the next, what, 25, 26 games in the league. So that's that's a target as well, definitely. Charlotte, what do you think about that? You know, all people, journalists, the conversation online have all kind of talked about expectation being a problem. And I think what we've seen this season and this conversation as well, we've said actually expectation from within the playing squads done wonders you know, would you take seventh place right now if you offered it? Right now, right no. Now. I think we we're fourth, so that would be a terrible thing to do. Um, by the end of the season, I don't know. I think that it's. I think it's interesting that the World Cup is like slap bang in the middle of the season. I don't know how that might disrupt our momentum. And you know, we talked about it um, on one of the podcasts one of the many podcasts that we do, I can't remember which, we're talking about whether or not the World Cup is going to upset momentum. I think it, you know, I think about it and and possibly, but also possibly not because we had a great end of season and then a summer and then we've just come back in and been great again. Yeah, okay, the first few games weren't perfect, but um, so a roundabout way of saying 
it really depends on where we're at in sort of Jan. But right now, no, I'd, I would expect us and hope that we are going to finish higher than seventh. I'm not going to turn my nose up at seventh, though. If we finish seventh, that's great. That is a massive improvement on the last 14 years, basically. Obviously, maybe not one of those Pardew years, but that's kind of a that was a bit of a mad one. Um, but but yeah, I, I think we can push on higher than that. I think the, I looked it up the other day in, in terms of the yearly 12-month total dating back to this time last year, and it was like something like 39 games that played in the in the calendar year, and they had 65 points. So you calibrate that to last season in the Premier League, and it's like fifth, sixth. I think it was like six points above what Man U got, who finished, where they finished sixth, and yeah. a little bit behind, a little bit behind third, you know, six or seven points behind the, the next, the next leap up. So it's around about top six form at the minute. Um, but the argument for saying that like Charlotte wants top four um, is is that they've still got the powder dry. You know, they've got a record signing Alexander Izak, who's currently trying to get fit again with his thigh injury. And if Eddie Howe can train him through December, drill him, get him bedded into a position uh, to really make an impact. I and mean, it looks like from the first two games he played, scoring at Liverpool, etc., he could make a huge impact. Then you've got a whole new player ready to go. And then Alan San Maxima, you know, question marks about his, his dedication to re, his recovery recently but then Eddie Howe has now said he's really knuckled down and got the recovery right this time he's back in the team fresh as a daisy it's the middle it's you know it's going to be no he's going to be desperate to get going by December because they'll, they'll be so fresh there's two massive attacking talents there who, who can really change games who are going to be wheeled out fresh into the team if Miggy Almiron dips or you know if if anyone else dips so there is an argument for saying that there's more to come and then if they buy again in January as well. And that's the thing about the World Cup, which I wanted to talk about. It's almost like, as a fan, terrible for lots of reasons, but also the fact that I'm going to miss my December, November football. But then Newcastle do have international quality players who will be there, but the vast majority of the squad are going to be at home with Eddie Howe. Most other top six clubs or even other Premier League clubs, don't have that luxury. Someone like Chelsea, someone like Liverpool, almost every single player will either be away or, or, or the large majority of them. Do you, do you think the World Cup comes at a perfect time for Newcastle, Simon? Yeah, I, I do. I think it, uh, Newcastle are one of the teams who can and exploit the, the disruption caused by the World Cup. I mean, obviously, they're going to have players there like Nicky Pope, but he'll be training in the warm weather. Probably probably not playing, we don't we don't think, uh, as a reserve. Um, Trippier, a bit worried about him getting injured because I think he might have a big role to play for, for Southgate especially with the, the current injuries. Bruno, you know, I mean, he could go away at the final with Brazil. I think Brazil are pretty much Boogie's favourites. And so you're a bit worried about him, the man who no one can get the ball off. And someone said he was unpressable the other day. So it was a good phrase to use about Bruno. So there are a few key men who are a little bit, you're a little bit worried about, but not not in terms of, you know, being the man you coach or the, or the Arsenal coach, or the, you know, all the, all the rest of the top teams. I think Newcastle have got more of a core of the squad definitely going to be having a rest and then doing a bit of gentle training and then really stepping it up when they go to Saudi Arabia and then having a couple of friendlies or at least one friendly and being ready for that. Hopefully the Carabao Cup next round after they've got through next week. So, um, yeah, I think it's probably going to help Newcastle more than it'll, it'll hinder them. Comparatively. Charlotte, how are you feeling about the World Cup? Are you going to use it as a little therapeutic from football break and recharge your own match-going batteries? Because you're at Southampton, it's a long trip. Or you gutted? I'm gutted. I'm loving watching us. Um, I do think for the 
squad it's a good thing I, you know it's important that they get a break and as I say like the intensity with which we play means that they probably do need a break um but I'm having so much fun at the games now that I haven't had in like years and years, maybe in my like match going memory um like I don't think I've had as yeah Villa was it was I've said it on the free podcast on Sunday it was like a festival atmosphere like a carnival or something it was just so much fun so I will miss that I don't think I'll be taking a break from like football because we still will be making content and podcasts and deep diving into um into our squad and and things like that whilst um whilst the World Cup is going on so I don't think I can just tap out of of uh, paying attention to football but I think um I am gutted on a personal level but I think it's the it's a good it's a good thing I think it can be a really good thing for us yeah no no I agree and the way that we play in particular and the demands placed on the players it, it it's, it's a huge benefit and I just think we'll go out and smash Leicester City on Boxing Day if not whoever we play before them in the Carabao Cup if we do get through um that's why I'm nailing this down for fourth place if things go badly, um, sorry, if things go well, if things go badly, I meant injury-wise, because you know, we're still very reliant on Callum Wilson, despite Isaac, and you're really right to mention him, Simon, the fact that him and ASM haven't been part of this goal-scoring glut when you say they're the Newcastle's best two attacking players alongside Callum Wilson. Um, incredibly exciting indeed. Just want to touch, Simon, on your conversation that you referenced earlier with... Um, with Darren Eels and, and Dan Ashworth, you know, was was there much that you took away from that you were that you weren't expecting? How was it for you? Um, it was it was well, I kind of um, I kind of was impressed by the bold ambition and their willingness to see to see it immediately on their first pre- on their first introduction at the club and, and and the press conference that we had or the little huddle we had with about six or seven of us. Um, it was it was immediately like saying that I think it was Ashworth who said there's there's no ceiling for this club. Which you know, which which is amazing to hear. You know, there's always been a ceiling at Newcastle for for many years, and for someone to say we we can go anywhere and we can challenge we can challenge anywhere um, was was a great thing. And you came across it. I mean, Ashworth um, got his computer out and explained the role. It just didn't really come across in the um, in the in the uh, in the pieces we did because it was so technical and and organisational and stuff. But um, he got his computer out and told us what you know the, the big you know, how he, you know you see it on coach's voice. I'm the I'm the hub of a of a wheel and I've got lots of spokes coming off me. And he talked through what his job description was and all the elements of the club that he was going to be delving into to to make sure it functioned really well. Um, and he explained what New, asked him what Newcastle's DNA would be. And he's a bit he was a bit um, he's a bit like I think he's been criticised for the England DNA thing. But I, I thought I, I mean I've covered the under twenty ones for England for years. And I think it, what he set in place at the FA was is absolutely brilliant. Like, to, total continuity from like under fifteen level right to the seniors, and they know every player and every age group and who's who's doing what and where they are. And it's really set up like a path, the pathway which Southgate's benefiting from now. So I came away thinking there's there's two seriously engaging um, uh, football operators there um, with a load of ambition, with with the, with the talent to to drive the club on. And to get the right people in the right places to to make it all work. And I mean, if you're going to pick, I, I interviewed Darren Eels when he was, but uh, when he was trying to sell New, sell Miguel Almiron to to Newcastle, um, and found him really sparky then. So when he got the job, I thought that, that's absolutely brilliant. It's, and I, when he commu- as he communicates more with the fans, the fans will see that as well. And we saw him 
had a brief word with him on Saturday as well. And he was he was like wide-eyed going, this is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> you know, winning every time. And even he was like, saw the infectious nature of the crowd and, and he's only been here a month. But he was love. He was standing on the touchline outside the dugout, you know, thinking it was fantastic. So, yeah, two great operators there. And I think the benefits that Newcastle will see uh, on the pitch and off it for, for for several years now as they get their feet under the table and start to build, really good to see. Real Newcastle are scheduled to play at least one, possibly two friendlies in Saudi Arabia um, in December, I believe. Uh, your thoughts on that? You know, last time you were on the pod with Charlotte, you, you both had a, a really informative chat about Newcastle's ownership and the direction that's going. You know, is this just something that you, you know, you and colleagues just expect now? The club are going to play in that part of the world quite a lot moving forward. Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, we know that Saudi Arabia are very serious about bidding for the. The 2030 World Cup, which is obviously um, next but one, is it? That's right. Um, and that will be another Winter World Cup. So that'll be another controversial thing. But I think they're teaming up with a couple of other countries to do it. So I think they, they as, a, as a nation, they, they're going to be wanting teams to go and train there, take the benefit of the winter weather, the cooler the cooler temperatures. I don't think it's cool ever, but oh, actually it is. It's, it'll be, should be just about right when, they, when Newcastle visit. So I think they want to promote their footballing facilities Newcastle went to Jeddah last time, and it looks like the friendly's going to be in Riyadh this time, which should be a, actually a, probably a, um, a very different experience from from what you read about the, the two. And Jeddah's kind of a little bit more westernised than like Dubai, and Riyadh's kind of the uh, you know the, the seat of government and and a little bit stranger. But they've got a lot of football facilities there and football schools, which Newcastle will be going to 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 training. So. I mean, Eddie Howe will make it a really serious trip. It'll not be messing around. It'll, it'll be their, their getaway to, to bond together again and reset and work on stuff to, to hit the ground running. It's, it's, it's only, you know, I think Man City are going to Abu Dhabi. I think if, if you are owned by a state or owned by a state-owned company, <laughs> however you want to term it, um, you, you probably expect it to be going there once a year for it or twice a year for a, for a training camp. So, and obviously that, you know, that raises the question about the Saudi ownership again, which obviously when the, the friendly was announced, we asked, um, and obviously that, then that dies, dies away again. So those questions still get asked and they, they will continue to be asked. Um, and Eddie Howe will continue to sidestep them, um, as the diplomat he is, because he doesn't want to get involved, which is fair enough. Um, and hopefully they'll have, I mean, the, everyone who came back, they, Couple of people said it was a bit of a strange place to to, to go last time for the for the, but the results improved dramatically after the, the Jeddah camp in January last year. So, yeah, I mean it's a, it's to be under, it's to be expected with Saudi looking at football and to get a World Cup in um, in twenty thirty. They're going to want to have football teams over there training. There. Is it something you would go to? Like, would you follow the team out there? Would you? Are you interested? Uh, firstly, do they invite journalists? And secondly, would it interest you to like be out there? It would interest me to go and experience firsthand what Saudi Arabia is like. And maybe, I mean, if you're allowed to speak to all sides of the story, that that would be great. They haven't invited us. I think we need to right. check on that. We need to check on that this week. I think it's we've certainly discussed it as as journalists. Like, do we we need to be there? Should we go? Um, would do, does Eddie Howe want us there? I mean, the key thing is if Eddie Howe want, allows us to be there to have one day visiting players and doing interviews and, and, and doing an interview with him, it's worth us going. If we're just going to be hanging around the training ground and not getting any content or any interviews, then it's 
probably not worth us going. With the autograph book, just hoping. With the autograph book, yeah. <laughs> or just videoing players going on and off buses, which is all the rage these days. Um, <laughs> not to mention anyone rivaling you. Well, not rivaling you. We don't have rivals. We're all friends. We don't have rivals. So fearless, fearless, absolutely um, number one. So, yeah, um, no. we'll have to discuss whether it's worth going. I would like to go then, see what Riyadh's like, and see whether football is really taking a hold and capturing the public's imagination and um, whether it's, you know, I mean, 35 million people there, a very young population, and we're told that they they love their football and they've all been my new fans in the past, but they're all going to come to Newcastle now. So it would be nice to see it firsthand. We'll take them. Yes. We'll take them. Let's finish off with some predictions then. Simon, based on what you've seen so far and what you think is to come, uh, where where would you put Newcastle at the end of this season? What do you think will happen then after Simon Charlotte? Same question for you, my friend. I would love I'd love them to get top four and be in the Champions League. Um, I think over the... And this is my natural Newcastle covering pessimism kicking in. Uh, I would love... I think top six. I think top six is definitely achievable. Even that's, you know, mixing up with one of the older... Le- who, who do you knock out the top six? Liverpool, man, you, you know, take your pick. That's a tough job to do that over the course of a season. But top six, top four, dreamland. You know, give Eddie Howe freedom of the city if he if he gets that. He can graze his cows wherever he wants. Let exactly. him let him do it. Um, is this what I want to happen or what I think will happen, Alex? What you think will happen? Oh, I think top six. I think we'll finish top six. I think maybe fifth. But I think we can I think we can do that. These are you know, these are great answers. You know, the, Look at the the bad luck with injuries, VAR, when we're still talking about Newcastle as a top six club. I think if Newcastle can keep um, Guimaraes and Wilson fit, they'll finish fourth, I think. Um, Spurs, to answer your question, Simon, if you want a team to drop out of the top six, I think they're, they're on borrowed time. They've a lot of poor performances this season. Um, and I think, I think the top four is Man City, Arsenal, maybe Newcastle. In third, I think Newcastle are third best team in the, in the league at the minute. Yeah. Um, and you know, between third and fourth, I'd say Chelsea, and then I think the teams below. Let's see, we'll probably give you a shout at the end of the season, see who's got egg in their face, if anyone, because we're all can friends. we just can we just register what a remarkable conversation this is to be having? Where if we were having this conversation like a year ago, they hadn't won, had they? It was it December the 4th when the first, yeah, yeah we haven't won a game until December. Yeah, that's and, right. and it, I mean. We're talking about top four, top five. Top, I mean, who cares what it is if it's, if it's top six after where, where Newcastle were last year? So what an amazing turnaround. What a remarkable conversation to be having 12 months, 12 months on. I know. It's Ridiculous. amazing. Thank you to Simon there and also to Charlotte, of course, as well. Thanks to you for listening to the True Faith podcast. If you like what we do, come and join us on Patreon. The link's in the description to this pod. Uh, also, uh, you do us a massive favour by leaving us a five-star review with a comment if that is an option wherever you listen but particularly on apple and apple podcasts and spotify helps us so massively we'll be back monday night uh, after hopefully a massive win at st mary's to talk it all through with you cheers bye-bye without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.